Welcome to a special mashup edition of the Acid Capitalist podcast and the Buy Side Meets Sell Side podcast. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Buy Side Meets Sell Side. Every month, I invite one of the best buy side investors in the world to discuss the most pressing themes in global macro, seen from my perspective on the sell side. I'm your host, Andreas Steno, and joining me today is the esteemed Hugh Henry, founder of the Eclectica Macro Hedge Funds. Um, it's an honor to host you, Hugh. Welcome to the show. Heavens, we were just talking about the past. The, the founder of Eclectica Asset Management, a hedge fund that ended in 2017, and now he's the CIO of CIO. I'm making this. I'm making this up. Uh, this is all about asset capitalism. Lay your love on me. Lay your disdain <laughs> on me. <laughs> but we'd actually like to pick your brain a bit from your experience at Eclectica Macro Fund um, today as we will discuss the recession risks and how to position for a recession ahead of it without burning too much carry. But I'd like to start with a brief discussion on your assessment of the world right now, Hugh. I mean, I've seen you've had some heated discussions on Twitter lately in relation to the macro outlook. Um, do you still see the recession ahead of us? Well, I mean, I've got to blame you. <laughs> you know, I, I've got a list. I've got about ten lists. Yeah, and again, the genius of of Twitter is, you know, there are some, you know, there are some smart people in the world, and there's this utility where, you know, we we all feel compelled to 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 drop some views. I think we, you know, it's the portal where it's the portal of frustration. We we read financial press. And, you, and it just doesn't seem to square up with what we're seeing. And so Twitter offers this opportunity to, you know, to, to shout back at, you know, the Financial Times or Wall Street Journal. Um, but I very much enjoy, you know, like, why would I look at a financial newspaper before I went on Twitter? And I got like a, a lit, you know, 10 or so people I follow. And overnight, you know, for me waking up in St. Bars, I, I, can, I can tap into, into that intel. Um, and so, and 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 you're one of them. Well done. You're, you know, I, I do enjoy uh, the, especially the charts that that you present. Um, and I'm very much a kind of graphical person, but um, I mean, there's no smart person that I know that doesn't see the, you know, the <laughs> recession. You know, we have a recession in Europe. Um, um, there's something ominous going on in China. Um, the the policymakers, you know, the Bank of England um, has finally rejected its model. It's like, oops, <laughs> our model doesn't seem to work. The good news is we're not going to follow it now. As, and I thought for a moment, I was like, wow, that's that's cool. And I was like, hold on a second. What is the model saying now? And the model's like, cut, cut rates, cut rates. I'm really sorry about cut rates. Like, the good news is we're, we're now ignoring the model. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, and, and so they're not following model, or they're they're worried about their models, and so they're now looking at incoming data. Okay, but they're choosing to look at the most lagged incoming data. I mean, core EPI. I mean, just I'm sure you must pull your hair out like like I yeah. do. 
uh, the R, the R the R squared the correlation on producer prices. You know, where producer prices go uh, is where CPI goes, and and producer prices globally. I mean, the U.S. print this week was zero point one percent, and the the Fed's going to raise it's going to hike again. I think this will be the last one. Um, so so yeah, um, as 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 normal, um, you have um, policy errors um, by the authorities. Um, but really back to the thrust of this conversation and what we do about it, I think we've got to be very cognizant that we live in a world where very few people understand money. Mm. Um, and, we, and, and actually we have to appreciate the, the chaotic nature of, of the world that, that we speculate within and especially that this is the world of finance is a world of absurdity. Uh, you know, the, the Federal Reserve in 2007 pivoted, you know, they, they'd raised rates all the way to 5.25% and they started cutting in September of 07. And that was with the S&P at an all-time high, you know, mm. um, that um, Wells Fargo, what the second or third largest bank today in America, made an all-time high, you know, weeks before the demise of Lehman Brothers. You know, like strange, strange damn things happen, you know. And so um, in constructing a risk portfolio, I think actually uh, one of the things we've got to be very cognizant of is, if you will, the deviate. We know, we know where we're driving to. We're driving into a recession. Mm. Um, the, the skillful element of, of the deployment of risk capital would be, you know, those absurd twists and turns and, and hoping that we don't get lost on that journey, that we actually have to land on the strip. Mm. You, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who typically suffers from the fear of missing out. And to be honest, I'm currently heavily invested in the whole AI theme, uh, the rebounding consumer discretionary stocks and all the, the stuff that's been performing like crazy over the past couple of months. It doesn't feel like the price action right now rhymes with the recession risk. So what do you make of this discrepancy between what we see in markets and the recession risk ahead of us? Um, so I, I, I certainly would not um, try and persuade you not to have that, that risk exposure. Mm. Um, the, um, the portfolio construction that I advocate is pretty much the hedge fund structure. I mean, it's the Bridgewater structure, it's the permanent portfolio structure. And, you know, it's, the, it's quadratically, uh, you have equities, you have you know, risk-free government securities, you have real assets, and then you've got cash. And you know, you could be Ray Dalio and you could have a volatility um, allocation model. You say, I want a 10% 10, 10 price vol, and you'd have look back on each of your asset classes, you'd be looking at three month and 18 month uh, realized ball, looking for changes and allocating in or out. You could do that, um, or you could come in with your prejudice. Um, for me today, uh, as as odd as this year has been, um, I mean, I'm in St. Bars, I'm living a charm life. Um, if we think of a million dollar notional, like, you know, private portfolio, um, I, I would have like 200 grand in Nasdaq or those those seven stocks which are are motoring away, um, but it's two hundred grand. It's not a million, um, <laughs> you know. And we'll come back to it. But 
um, I'm constrained just now because where I have the the the, the firm macro commitment, the 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 narrative, it's um, it's in the 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 U.S. Treasuries. I want to be long duration, but there's no brand validation, um, and so am I cheating? But I'm you know um, my accommodation to that is. I'm using a derivative. I'm using a very simple uh, derivative call option um, with a lot of a lot of time. You know, it doesn't expire until the end of end of next year. Um, in the real asset space, um, I I got like two hundred grand in Bitcoin. Um, you know, if it's a million dollar portfolio, it would be via grayscale. So I'm trying to capitalize on the uh, the discount to NEV. Oh. I think there's a surety. I think that the Bitcoin is not is, is unencumbered. I think it's available, uh, and I think there's a catalyst which uh, they will succeed eventually in getting an ETF, and that would be the resolution to the discount. Um, and then I've got a lot of cash. You know, I, I've, I've got at least 500k in cash, dollar cash. I'm earning five, maybe I'm earning seven, maybe maybe I'm you know I'm, I'm owning some municipal bond uh, ETF uh, money market fund, um, or you know maybe I bought the Nasdaq, I bought the futures. Um, I've only I've only spent you know seventy thousand less than on buying my my call options in in treasuries. I could buy the I could buy the Bitcoin futures, so I could really be sitting with the best part of a million bucks, earning five percent. But I've got exposure to the to the stock market. I've got exposure to a real asset via Bitcoin, um, and and I've got latency. I've got the capacity uh, if the thing reveals itself in a manner that I that I find willing, you know, I get a fat pitch. Heavens, you know, I've, I've got so much cash to 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 lay it down. So so I'm, that's the charm. And then you say price action. I guess the thing that is um, is a signal has been the outperformance in the S&P of, you know, the S&P versus the, uh, the uh, versus the equal weighted, you know, the, the fact that there are, there's such a prominent move in those um those seven stocks and and so the if you look at a chart of s p to to weighted it has flares which coincide with all the previous drama moments of the last 15 years and so you could say that um institutional investors that have an, an ongoing daily commitment to be fully invested um are actually with one eye on what may happen They've their asset, their equity allocation. Whilst it may take them into the highest valued companies, um, the perception is they're buying uh, the best companies, and they're not actually willing to take cyclical risk. And that's what's giving you this pronounced flare in that in that S and P derivative. I want to pick up on the discussion on your call options on U.S. Treasuries. Um, you say you have a rather long risk horizon on, on on these call options. Why did you choose, say, eighteen twenty four months of, of runtime on these options? Is it because it's tricky to time the recession? What what are your considerations there? Yeah, I mean, back to to my initial point, you've got to deal with absurdity. Mm. Um, and if we in the summer of two thousand and seven. I had very, very high conviction that you know that the teaser rate and the reset would just bring Armageddon. Um, but I couldn't tell you the the day or the month. I couldn't even tell you the year. Um, and I ended up 
you know, I had the two, the classic two ten. The the is that a bear sleeping where the where the short rate comes down and mm. the spout blows. Um, but owing to Mike, the the fog of prognostication, um, I I chose some complexity. And and so I had a swaption, you know, I, I had a desk at Morgan Stanley write me a bespoke contract and it was the two year forward, two's ten. Mm. Um, and so the advantage there was I had I was convinced that within two years my my strip was long enough, you know, to land profitably. Um there was no theta decay. So I could just hold it. Every day there, there wasn't a day that passed that was punishing. And so I thought. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, um, now what, what was wrong um, and the red flag, there was one word in my, there was at least one word in, in my, my statement, which should cause concern, which is uh, I chose complexity. Um, and, and, and what happened was, you know, so I put that position in, on in May, in September, the Fed's cutting rates, hallelujah. And, you know, and by January of, Oh, wait, the Fed was cutting rates like three times in a week. Hallelujah. Um, but we live in a strange paradigm. And um, the market, the market, and indeed those beloved ladies and gentlemen that govern the monetary policy of Europe, I mean, the ECB, God love them, but they raised rates in the summer <laughs> of 2008. And we had oil at $140. And so my friends out in 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 two year forward land, every time the Fed cut interest rates, they were adding it back on. So I got no steepening, I got no P and L, and it was torture until like one second to midnight when it all it all came good. So, um, so I'm repeat I'm repeating the the kind of the the long landing strip. I'm saying. I feel like it's already the recession's already onshore in the US. Um, I've got a lot of small, medium-sized business owners that I speak to, uh, and they're finding it really, really difficult. Um, you know, the, the economic data from the you know Raul's various kind of chart packs and stuff. I mean, everything is descending in a manner that you know, sees and pros have seen before. Um, but I'm just not confident that. In, in saying it's this year, but I'm confident in saying it's within 18 months. Boom, yeah. Um, I've got some theta on the uh, the 25. So January 25, 100 call. Um, but the theta is mostly the last three months that really gets nasty. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, uh, the worst thing is just buying a call option. Every option, a call or put. Is overvalued. You know, Ken Griffin is the it's going to be the richest man. He, he owns the biggest casino in the world, and he sells he sells overvalued shit, and people just can't resist buying it. So, you know, if I'm buying a call, I do like to try and sell, try and get you know, just try and uh, have less less you know calories on the trade, let less bad extrinsic. Um, and so, I have been willing to forfeit the the short term. Uh, yeah, I'm confident in 18 months, not three months. So I'm confident in 12 months, not three months. Yeah. And so I've got a rolling, I sell like, th uh, I sell 30 day forward and I sell 60 day forward, like 103s. So I'm selling the calls. Uh, cheapens, I, I don't sell a lot, but you know, heavens, we, we've been trading like that 
uh, since about March or April. And I think we're we're off about 10% from where we started. I mean, I'm really happy with that. Really, you know, remember I've got 5 or 6% of my NAV in this position. And so I've lost 50 basis points. Uh, and yet I'm loaded, you know, so. <laughs> so that, that that's my my thing, and then the, the instrument. Forgive me, but um, you know I'm I'm addressing a, a, a Twitter type market, and so it's the TLT, is the ETF, yeah. and the ETF ha has great liquidity, and, and it goes out to to Jan twenty five. So. Hmm. You when you um, when you assess the recession risk now, um, and when you look at the price action that you just described with. The risk scenario unfolding over a 12 to 18 month horizon while you feel a little bit more comfortable with the very near-term future how reminiscent is this of say summer 2007 ahead of the great financial crisis do, do you find similarities in the way that we look at the world right now um yeah yeah um i'm trying to pour water out of a very large bottle and not succeed <laughs> just getting wet um I, I, I tell you what comes in instantly into my mind with, with that question. Um, I'm unnerved. I don't like this week is certainly not a victory lap, but you know, we, um, you know, we, we got that CPI print 3%. Um, we got the PPI 0 0.1 um, as expected. And, you know, over the course of the next three months, the, the shelter number is going to come out. Uh, I just think this thing's going down, but, um, what is unnerving it has been that huge move in, in the dollar, the dollar low. And allied to that, um, the, com the, the commodity complex, the industrial commodity complex is catching a bid. Um, modest, but it, yeah. I, 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 I look at these things a lot, maybe too much. Um, and... So is that, you know, is that a 2008, you know, is that, you know, because again, the dollar, I, you know, so what happens, uh, the market, it would, if we were to rationalize the behavior of the madhouse, uh, the market always bets that the Fed's, the Fed's got it right, that it's a soft landing. And, and so stocks, you know, they, they go to all time highs just as the Fed pivots and the dollar goes to lows on the basis of, interest rate differentials that the Fed will turn dovish and, and cut rates. And so the 2008 handbook would be um, the industrial commodity complex catches a bid and the dollar uh, get, gets sold down. Um, are, is that now unfolding? I didn't think we would see that. Um, I'm undecided, but I'm closing this week with more uncertainty in my mind um, in terms of the probability of that. I'll come back to you. I don't have an answer to that. Hello, this is an advanced AI voice robot. To those of you in the cheap seats, this concludes today's special program. To listen to the rest of the conversation, please join the tribe at patreon.com slash Goodbye.